in prayer, pray for him. All right, uh, let's all stand and turn to Romans, the sixth chapter, and I'm going to read a few verses here in Romans 6, and I want you to listen to this now, get your Bibles out, it's the only way you learn the Bible is have a Bible with you and, and, and follow along, you know, that's the first revival I ever preached when I was 20, just just to turn 23, first revival I ever preached, uh, I asked, uh, before I got to preach, the church was full of people, it was a uh, a church in Rockcastle County, Kentucky. And the church was a little country church, a little mountain church, I guess you would call it. It was full of people. And um, I asked them, first question I asked them, I said, how many brought their Bibles today? And there was two people out in the congregation raised their Bibles up. And that was the pastor of the church and his wife. And... Uh, I told them, I said, how do the rest of you know what I'm preaching from if you don't have your Bibles? As far as you're concerned, I could be preaching from the Sears and Roebuck catalog. But, uh, but this, is, this is why it's important that you have your Bible so we know, know what your Bible is about. Uh, Romans, the sixth chapter, and I'm going to say, read this. says, what shall we say then? Begin the first verse. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sins or in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also, we, sh- we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. That is, that is, uh, not have a love for sin anymore. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of the, uh, uh, that, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead, under Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over us, over him, us also. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day. Thank you for the blessings of it. Thank you for watching over taking care of us. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Thank you, Lord, for this precious soul that, that came and is, has expressed a desire to be baptized, Lord, and that's what we're going to do today, Lord. We pray that you'll watch over these, uh, these as it takes place. 
Lord, we're just humans. All of us are just humans. And uh, we know that uh, sometimes we, uh, we, we act like humans. But, Lord, we just pray that you'll help us today to be a little special today as we, as we baptize this, this young one today. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Every one of us, I noticed that uh, Ella's got some some other family here today. Every one of us, including her family that's here today, are responsible to see that this little girl is raised in holiness and godliness. I don't care who you are. You're responsible to see this if you claim to be saved yourself. Problem we have today, a lot of people claim to be saved that's not even saved. But if you claim to be saved, then you have a responsibility to live a life before this little girl, this little precious soul, that she may grow up to be a godly person, a godly little girl, a godly woman, and someday a godly wife, and someday uh, uh, a godly uh, person that that people can look to, look up to, and say, that's a godly person right there. We're responsible to see her that. I've asked uh, three of our young girls to come up. The, all three of these girls have been scripturally baptized. But y'all are responsible too. Y'all responsible to see that she's brought up, you know, in the way that she should be brought up. Every one of us are. We're responsible for that. Me in particular, and and you also in particular, is responsible to see that she's brought up correctly as far as the Lord is concerned. Now, baptism is misused and abused by modern religiosity. What is baptism today to modern religiosity? It's just a, something that people do. How many people do I talk to during the week? I talk to a lot of people, folks. A lot of people during the week. How many people do I talk to during the week that uh, I'll ask them, I'll say, well, are, are you saved? I don't ask if you're a Christian because everybody will say yes. I ask them, I said, are you saved? And they'll say, well, I've been baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. No way, shape, nor form. And baptism has absolutely nothing to do with the salvation of Ella. If Ella was to, God forbid, if Ella, if Ella was to die right now before she's baptized, she's just as saved as she would be after she's baptized. It doesn't have anything to do. Baptism has to do with church. It has to do with church affiliation. I remember uh, one of the professors in the seminary who was my interrogator over 50 years ago when I was, uh, inter- when I was interrogated as to be ordained to the ministry. It was one of the uh, uh, professors at the seminary that I went to that was that's one that interrogated me. And he made a statement to me during that time when I was being ordained. 
he made a statement to me. He said, uh, you can be right on a lot of things in, in, in your own heart. But he said, if you're wrong on baptism, he says you're probably wrong on everything else. And I, 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 didn't, I didn't realize at the time what he was talking about, but I do now. I know what he meant now. Because baptism is the gateway to living a life for the Lord Jesus Christ. It, 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 is, it is a prerequisite of those who have been saved. As a matter of fact, the first thing that a person is to do after they're saved is to submit to scriptural baptism. Now, I've known of people in the past who wouldn't do that. I know of one young man in the past that refused to submit to scriptural baptism. He was okay with the baptism he had. Well, it went on, it went along pretty good for years. He came to church here, was a member here. He came to church here, and it went along real good for years, but then all of a sudden, trouble came. And he had absolutely nothing to back up on as far as what this church believes and what we stand for because he refused scriptural baptism. He refused to become a member of Landmark Baptist Church through scriptural baptism. And and let me tell you folks, baptism is an important thing. It's, here at Landmark Baptist Church, it's not just a ceremony that we have. It, 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 it is a special thing as far as we're concerned. This special day, this special day for me. You know, Ella, Ella is one of those fifth generations of the self family that I have pastored over the last 35 years. Five generations. I've already baptized some of the five generations, but she's one of those fifth generations that I have pastored. There's two families in this church that I have pastored five generations of. Those two families, but the Sale family is one of them. And, and she is, she is one of the fifth generation in that family that I've, I've, I've had the blessings, uh, to, to, um, to pastor at this time, and I'm thankful for that. Really, I really am. You know, when we talk about baptism, it it it, it is uh, something that is wrongly used today. Matter of fact, um, th- there's a quote that comes from the Catechism of Roman Catholicism, and that that quote says, "In my baptism, this is." This is from the Catechism of the Roman Catholic Church. In my baptism, wherein I was made a member of Christ, a child of God, and an inheritor of the kingdom of heaven. Through baptism. What, What does that say? That says that through baptism... I have become, now this is what they say, I have become a member, I've become a child of God, I've become an inheritor of the kingdom of heaven, and we know that's not true. If, if, you've, if you've been to any church at all, you know that's not true. 
You know, you know, there's no way that a preacher can take you into these baptismal waters and tell you you're saved. Because it does nothing far as salvation is concerned. This is for serving the Lord. What I just read to you there. He, he says there, Paul said there in the sixth chapter of Book of Romans, he said, he said, it is, it is a time when we are dead to sin, which is what we lived on. Before we were saved, we're dead to sin, but we're alive to Christ. That's what baptism is. It's a picture. It's a picture of what has happened to us. It's a picture of what, what we're expected to live after that we're, we're saved. We're expected to live a, a godly life. We're expected to live uh, 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 out of the, in the culture of the world. You know, what, what saddens me today is... I see a lot of professed Christians who follow the culture of this world. You know what the culture of this world is? I'll kill you if you don't believe like I do. The culture of this world is that that uh, that uh, I I don't think that there's any difference in any of us. It's even come down to the fact there's no difference in a man and a woman. Now listen, this message is going out over the internet, so I'll probably get some calls. No difference in a man and a woman. That a man can be a woman or a woman can be a man. It doesn't make any difference. There's no difference in marriage. If a man wanted to marry his dog, then that's fine. He can marry his dog. You'll say, how's that is? I don't know if y'all remember several years ago, there was one of those, uh, um, one of those elite women who inherited billions of dollars. She wanted to marry her cat. And she wanted to leave everything she did, she had to her cat. And she did. Well, you know, we got man wanting to marry man. We got women wanting to marry women. That's not right. I can't help it. I mean, you out there on the internet, you can send somebody to kill me. I don't care. It's not like that. That's the culture of the world. That's the world that we delve in. That's the world that I see people living in. That's the world that I see people falling after. You know, I want my children to be just like the world. I had a lady one time tell me, she said, she said, don't you believe that it's good for a child to get out there and learn what the world's about? I said, no, I don't. It's not good for a child to get out there and learn what the world's about. That's a dangerous thing to do. That's the reason I tell these three young girls right here, you know, you got to be careful. You gotta be careful who you're dating. You gotta be careful who so and so is, you know, and what they're not. It's not okay. It's not okay by any imagination. Not okay. We realize that being scripturally baptized, we reckon the receiver of baptism to be dead to sin. That's what I expect. 
Every person I baptized, and just about every member of this church in here, I baptized them. I expect every one of them, when they when they're baptized, that they realize they're dead to sin now. Sin has no more dominion over them. Sin does not dominate their life. And that's something that does has happened. I know it dominated my life before the Lord saved me at between ages 22 and 23. I was just about to turn 23. And I know sin dominated my life. I liked it. I liked what I was doing. I loved it. When I, Ron and I got married, we were married eight months before I was saved. And when them old boys would come by and they'd say, let's go, Paul, I'd go with them. She knows that. Sometimes we'd be gone for a long time. I like what I was doing. Well, then the Lord saved me, and I was taught that when I was baptized, that I was showing the world that I wanted to follow Jesus, and I wanted to do what Christ would have me do. Well, then I had to give up all that stuff. It wasn't hard. Some people say, well, it's hard. It's not. It's not hard to give it up if you want to. The fact is, most people don't want to. They don't want to give it up. And I hope, I hope we learn that. How shall we then, Paul says in verse 2, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? He says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies. Christ died that we will be dead to sin by having borne the punishment of sin to himself. Christ took our sins and he put them on himself, and he died with them, and he cleansed us of those very things. Now, Ella, Ella, yes, you're, you are dead to sin in Christ. But for you to boast that as you live a Christian life would be reckoning based upon a falsehood. Remember this. As you live, there is no man that sinneth not. You're still a sinner, but you just got to watch what you do. You got to be careful what the decision you make in life. Sure are. Let me say, let me say this. I told the church that I had something I wanted to say. In talking to Ella last Sunday, let me tell you all something. She already knew these things. Do you believe that? Eight years old. She already knew these things. She says, I know. She says, I know. She says, I, I know these things. Let me tell you, we got grown-ups right here that don't know as much as she knows. She knew these things. She knew these things. She told me, she told me back there, and just me and her back there in that study, she told me, she said, I, I know. She said, I, I know that 
I've got to live a good life. And I know that that's what I'm supposed to do. And she says, I know that the Lord has saved me. The Lord didn't save her back there in that study. She was saved before she ever came in there. She said, I know I'm saved because she said, I've already talked to the Lord about it. Whoa, that's strong. I guarantee you, I can ask some of you grown-ups the same thing, and you just stumble and stammer and carry on everything, every way. She made no bones about it. You know, you, you want to see people stumble and stab, you ask them if they're saved. Don't ask them if they're a Christian, ask them if they're saved. You'll see some stammering and some stumbling. Well, when I asked Ella, I said, Ella, do you know you're saved? Yes, I know I'm saved. I was saved so-and-so, so-and-so hour, so-and-so time. Yeah. Can you, if you're saved today, can you tell me exactly when you were saved? I was saved March 27, 1967 in, in my house. Kneel down at my bathtub. In the, in the bathroom. She knows when she was saved. You'll never forget that, Ella. You'll never forget that. Do you know when you were saved? Can you tell me you were saved? I asked one man one time, I said, when were you saved? And he gave me three different times. He Possibly he was saved. Three different times. You'll say, well, I don't know when I was saved. You probably wasn't. Just, just as simple as that. You probably just thought you were. And you've been living on that most of your life. The fact that you thought you were saved then. You've always got to remember that truth. That truth about that we're dead to sin after you're saved. That truth. There is a doctrine out there that some of you have never heard of, and some of you don't know what it is. It's called antinomianism. Antinomianism. That's being taught in the churches today. That's being taught in most of the Baptist churches today, and it's a terrible doctrine. That doctrine says... A belief that sin in you is not sin at all. That's what Antinomian taught. He was an old philosopher back in the days of, of, of after, after, sometime after Christ, around the 10th century. And he taught that just because you think there's sin in you, that it's really not sin at all. It's really okay for you to do it. That's antinomianism. Now listen, folks. There's a lot of people being taught that today. You direct your own life. You don't look to anybody else. You do what you want to do. You don't look to anybody else. The Bible says itself, when a man is like that, then he's ready for a fall. 
When you think that just because you do something wrong it's not really sin, then that's what's taught today. That's what is taught today. Then you judge, you judge yourself. Judge your own sins. Don't let anybody else judge your sins for you. You judge your own sins. And it's not long until you, you're going to judge that nothing you do is wrong. Everything you do is right. To see yourself as not sin anymore, as we said, is a teaching that's taught today. To reckon you are dead to sin in the scriptural sense is a benefit to heart and soul. Now, being scripturally baptized, Ella, being scripturally baptized, we expect the receiver of baptism will put into practice its teachings. I want to talk about eight things right now, real quick. They're just, they're just things that I'm going to read them. Save time. It continues to be an outlaw in the body. That's sin. Sin is an outlaw in your body. You, you, you've seen this, you've seen this little caption where the little devil's on this shoulder and the little angel's on this shoulder. And the devil says, do it, do it, do it. The angel says, no, no, no. Don't do it, it's wrong. The devil says, do it, do it, do it. So it depends on which one you listen to. 99, 99, 100% of people are going to listen to this one right over here. They're going to go and do what they want to do. They can do it any way they want to do it. I don't care what anybody said. I mean, you may leave here hating this preacher, but I'm telling you, that's the way people do it continues to be an outlaw in the body, hiding away in your depraved nature. I'm talking about sin now. It remains a plotter against you, planning to overthrow you at any time. Sin is ready to overthrow you at any time. It remains an enemy, warring against the law of your mind. Sin works on your mind. Let me, let me tell you this. The mind you've got right now is a mind that you're going to die with. And it's a mind that is not going to die, it's going to live on. You ever have a bad nightmare? We say, well, it's all in the mind. Let me tell you, folks, after you're dead and gone, if you go to hell, it's going to be a nightmare for eternity. You're not going to wake up. It's wonderful when you're in a nightmare and you wake up. I remember after I got out of the military, I used to dream about still being in there. I used to dream about these things. I used to dream about people shooting at me. And boy, it was wonderful to wake up. It was wonderful. It was wonderful to wake up out of that. But if you die and go to hell, you're not going to wake up. You're going to go on and on. You're going to want to wake up, but you're not. You're going to suffer. You're going to suffer, suffer for all eternity. So it remains a tyrant, constantly worrying and oppressing the believer's life. Its field of battle is the body, not the soul. It will, it will cause you to murmur, envy, covet, and even rob your neighbor 
and God himself. It'll cause you to do a lot of things. Cause you to do a lot of things. It causes pain, suffering, affliction. Ken calls impatience and other terrible faults. Its pleasures can readily lead to sin. Its pleasures can readily lead to sin. That is the pleasures of your body. Its influence upon the mind and the spirit can drag down to worshiping materialism, such as a job, a costly possession, or even money itself. That's what sin can cause in us. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, not money. I've heard it quoted, the money, but it doesn't say that money is really. It says the love of it is the root of all evil. Sin will cause you to love that money. It'll cause you to love that money. It'll cause you to do things, and you think maybe in the future you're going to get some money. It'll, it'll make you do things while waiting on that. It'll make you do things. I've heard people say, well, i got to be good to my dad because he's got money. When he dies, he's going to leave it to me. You're supposed to be good to your daddy anyway. No difference if he got any money. I love my dad, and I was good to my dad. My dad died with $14 in his pocket. That's all him and mom had. My mom died with 600 and some dollars. That's all they had. My mom died five years after he did. But I love my dad. I love my dad. Not because he had money. I didn't do things he wanted me to do just because he had money because he didn't have any. Let me tell you, folks, the love of money is the root of all evil. This sin that we're talking about can lead to its influence upon the mind and the spirit can drag down to worshiping materialism such as a job, costly possessions, and even money itself. Have a love for it. In conclusion, Ella, always be careful in your life, honey. Always be careful in your life. Brother Paul's all, I don't know how much longer Brother Paul will be around. I'll be 75 years old in two weeks. I don't know how much longer I'll be around, but I'm going to tell you this. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Anytime you have a problem, I'm here for you. Your daddy and mama knows this. Other people here know this. I'm here for you, honey. I know you're you're not my granddaughter, but sometimes I think you are. Sometimes I think you are, just like I was telling Deanna the other day, her two children is they even call me Papa. I think you're one of my granddaughters, and I'm very proud. I, I know I don't know if I should say this or not, but I'm very proud of that. 
Yeah, you other three, y'all sitting there grinning too. Y'all same way. I think you're my granddaughter. That's the reason I told you if I catch you going with somebody I don't approve of, then I'm going to tell you about it. Might even stop the car and get you out of it. Garrett brought his girlfriend to eat the other night some time back. And uh, I asked Garrett, I said, is she a good girl? Garrett said, yeah, she's a good girl. Well, she acted like it. She was. All right, let's, let's baptize. We'll get ready. It takes us a few minutes to get ready, but it takes me long.